Hello, and welcome to the Profitable Practice Podcast with me, Andrea Maxim, naturopathic doctor turned healthpreneur. And every week, I'm bringing you no-nonsense, no-BS, actionable strategies to create a practice that is not only profitable, but fully sustainable by you. If you're an action taker like me and want to create a practice that is profitable, then you've come to the right place. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. This is the first podcast of 2018, and I just want to thank every single one of you for listening and continuing to listen to this show. Um, If you've been following me from the very beginning, we have been doing this for just over a year now. Um, I'm constantly getting more downloads, more followers, more people are picking up on the Profitable Practice Podcast. And I just want to take a moment and thank you all for your comments, for your encouragement, for listening, for downloading, for sharing this with your friends, for learning and implementing everything that we talk about on the show. This is one of the things that I always wanted to do as a way to give back to you guys in the community and show you how profitable and how successful you can be in this career choice. And, you know, it wasn't something that I ever thought about, well, how am I going to pay for it? And what's the budget? And how am I going to do it? How am I going to make time for it? I just did. And this is one of those core things that I really love doing that excites me, that inspires me, that allows me to reach out to you guys and um, just let you know what's going on in my business, in my world, bring on amazing speakers. So again, thank you so much for um, going along this journey with me. And this whole kind of thing about doing what we love and making sure that we are in a career stream, a path in our life where we feel fulfilled, we don't feel like we have to, is really what brought um, this whole kind of show together today. I invited Matt Gerspur onto the show, and he's going to talk a lot about beliefs and creating the financial freedoms and creating the life that we want to when we get into the interview. And I thought it was very important for us to touch on that today because when I work with my coaching clients, my one-on-one coaching clients, my group clients, The biggest thing that I typically hear is, um, you know, I have to make this work. If this doesn't work, I don't think I can continue in this career. I have to make this program work. And we get so caught up in our results and we get so um, caught up in this place of survival. And I touch on this later on in the interview. And when we're practicing from a place of survival, we're practicing from a place of fear. And fear will always push people and money away every single time because they will feel that energy coming off of you. They'll feel that level of desperation and worry. And, you know, when you're pushing things onto your patients because you know that the supplement is going to expire or if I just get them to buy one more thing then I can pay my bills this month, that's all working from a place of survival and I want you to work from a place of service. Service is where we don't care about our outcome more than we care about the outcome of our patients. We don't care about how much stuff we're giving away for free because it's all valuable and it's helping the greater good versus always saying, well, why aren't I getting my leads and why isn't my conversion rate higher and this, this, and this. 
It's throwing those results out the window and making sure that you're always coming from a place of just pure service, pure love, loving what you're doing. So if I were to watch you, like you fly on the wall in your practice when you're working on your laptop, I should see you smiling and at ease and comfortable. I shouldn't see you, you know, furrowing your brow and gritting your teeth and your shoulders are really tight. I want to make sure that whatever it is that you're choosing to do, while it may suck in the beginning, because entrepreneurship is never easy, especially getting through a lot of those ebbs to get to the next flow period, um, I do want to make sure that you are living the life that you want to live. So I brought on Matt Gersper to kind of touch on that in a much more eloquent way. So I do hope you enjoy the interview. Let's get started with that now. Hello, Matt. Thank you so much for joining the Profitable Practice Podcast. Um, If you could, please take a moment to kind of introduce yourself and let everybody know kind of what brought you to the show with regards to everything we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Well, Andrea, and thank you so much. I'm excited to be on your show and and talking to your community. what brought me to where I am today kind of was uh, being in the, uh, down at the bottom of the Grand Canyon about four years ago. And I, had, um, I was at the end of, of building a business in international trade that we ended up selling. Um, but at the time, I didn't know we were going to sell it. But I, but I did know that I was going to be moving into the chairmanship and pulling back from working full time in the business. And I wanted to do something, what my next step, step was. So I started thinking about What's going to be my next step, the next thing I want to do? Um, prior to going down, I'd met with a friend of mine from high school um, who is uh, well, my same age, uh, owns his own house, married to his life, lifelong sweetheart. They have a beautiful kid. He's the vice president of a successful company. And he must have said a half, more than a dozen times during dinner to my son who is with us that, you know, Kyle, your dad and my glory days are behind us. And the first time he says it, fine. The second time he kept saying, said, this is not right. My glory days are not behind me. And so I just kind of, I talked to him afterwards and, and um, we, we went on. So at the bottom of the canyon, I was doing some reflecting and thinking. And I'd, what I came up with really was for the first half of my life, I had really been building things, uh, creating businesses, but kind of with, to help companies and to further my own interests, really. Mm-hmm. Everything I was doing really was to further my own interests. Um, I decided I want to do something where I'm giving back. And not just saying it, not just lip service, but really giving back to others. And I came up with the concept of Happy Living, the company that I run now. Um, shortly after I got back from, from the Canyon trip, we decided to sell my international trade company. Um, and so everything kind of came together in that way. And uh, we sold the, the trade business in May of 2014. We launched Happy Living actually two months earlier, stealthily, because I was still in the middle of, of uh, disengaging from the sure. other business. And I spent the last three and a half years trying to figure out exactly what Happy Living is. And in a nutshell, it's kind of like in, in my old business world, we develop best practices for how you do things in an organization. And... Usually it said, okay, let's get a lot of smart people, figure out how a process works, and then put it, develop software with it. 
So I became kind of a, an expert in developing best practices from the collective intelligence of the, of the A market. And with happy living, what we're trying to do is say, what are best practices for happy living? Mm-hmm. And we write about it and we have two blog posts that we, that we run. We've turned into a book publishing company. I've written two books and published, no, I've written three books and published two others. Um, and we just have our sixth one onboarded now. And so it's really fun. I'm kind of uh, playing in the world of health and wellness, mm-hmm. learning as I go along. And that's what brought me here to, to speak to you and your docs. Now, I really want to kind of dive into the one book that you uh, wrote, which is The Belief Roadmap. And this is something that I think is so valuable for all of the listeners because it's very easy to fall into the trap of entrepreneurship. And it's very easy to lose yourself in the struggle, the fear, the unknown that entrepreneurship can deliver. Um, And I know you've created a really beautiful graphic in this book. Again, the book is The Belief Roadmap, The Seven Foundations of Health. And we're going to touch on a number of them today, but the one that I love the most is it's in this kind of like a pyramid shape. And you have, of course, the four fitnesses of physical health and mental health and all of that. But at the very peak of that pyramid is significance. And that really like struck a chord in me when I read that. And I wanted to ask you to explain why, like, what is that thing that we crave with regards to being significant, maybe it's even like leaving our legacy so that when we die, we're not, we didn't like waste our time on this earth. And I think that's why, especially as healthcare practitioners, we want our significance to be to help others and as many people as we can. So could you elaborate a little bit on that um, definition and feeling and need to have significance in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, The... I'm not quite sure how the pyramid came to be. It's, you know, one of those creative things that as I was struggling to figure out what happy living was. Yeah. Um, and, and really it was uh, some of the criticisms that I've had when I launched this business is, and not criticisms from, from people so much, but just in general about starting a business, being an entrepreneur and starting a business is having way too big of a market, right? Mm-hmm. Who's my target market for happy living? What's anybody that's, that's breathing and wants to be happy. Right. And that's taboo. You know, you can't do a business that way. But I decided that's what I wanted to do. So I tried to think about making it a niche, you know, um, but I, I just didn't. So my niche is happiness and it's big and it's, it's bold. And our mission is to improve the health and well-being of the world, which is gigantous. Yes. But one person at a time. Yes. Which, which brings it down to home. And back to my previous point about actually giving back. I thought if I can really discipline myself to say, if in this second half of my life, I change and improve the health and well-being of one person, that'd be enough. You know, what, what do we need? So it's, it's really this struggle against my A-type personality yes. and you know, trying, to, trying to really be a true, you know, lover of people and just giving. Yeah. So with that scale of, of happy living and trying to, to create a niche, alternatively, what I did is said, I'm going to, I'm going to discipline ourselves to what we can read, what we can write about, mm-hmm. um, what we can research on. And, and our whole approach as we're writing and doing podcasts and sharing information is not to say, Andrea, this is what you should do. I did this for my cholesterol and therefore you should do it. And I'm prescribing mm-hmm. it to you. Rather it's to share with you. This is what I've learned and what I'm doing and the results I'm getting. Yes. And so we came up with the four fitnesses, which you talked about. 
physical fitness, mental fitness, uh, spiritual fitness, and financial fitness, which makes us a lot different from a lot yeah, of- Yeah, and we're going to talk about that soon. Uh, <laughs> and then love and adventure, and those are kind of self-explanatory. And then significance, the idea of significance is kind of like uh, from Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs. You know, you cannot do something, I think his top is self-actualization. You can't even think about self-actualization if you're hungry and you don't have shelter. But as we, as we build more capacity in our lives mm -hmm. with, with our time or with our skills or with our finances, or as we build capacity to take care of ourselves and then have more that we can give, yes. that, lets us to, that lets us begin to reshape our lives and say, let me do more of what I want to do and less of what I have to do because I've taken care of my have to do's. And as I, as I started to get into that part of my life, I discovered and how I define significance is doing something you love, which is really important, but it's not enough, that, that provides value to others. Mm -hmm. And if you can do those two things, I think that's the sweet spot of life. And so that's, that's how I came. That's what significance means. And I would 100% agree with that is when you are doing something from a place of service instead of a place of survival, right. it's amazing how much different you control your business, you control your life, you feel in your business, you feel in your life. But the question that resonated with me while you're talking is, the have to do, which again is coming from a place of survival. And the people that are listening, a lot of them are just starting their practice. And yeah. they're in that place of, I don't have the ability yet to give back to others because I'm still without shelter and food when it comes to getting things going. So how do you talk to those people that are in that element of survival, that element of I have to do this, I have to make this work, and get them to that place where it's a little bit more of, now I can do things more in a place of service instead of always worrying about finances and am yeah. I going to pay my rent? Yes, it's a really complicated question. Um, I actually had a, a friend of mine from high school after I'd written some you know, little flowery post about doing what you love and blah, blah, blah. And he wrote to me and he said, basically, a long letter. Um, that's nice for you. Right. You, you built a company and you sold it and you don't need to work. Right. So basically, shame on you for giving us hope. Uh, you know, basically is what he said. He was pretty hard about it. And so I, I really had to think about that. And as I can, again, I'll just apply it to my own life. When I was young, I had to work. Um, well, first, when I was young, I didn't have to work because my parents were taking care of me. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I worked anyways because I wanted extra spending money. I worked right. my whole life. Um, but then I got married and I had to work. I had to work because I was an adult now. I had to take right. care of myself. I got, I got married, so I had to take care and provide for my wife. And I had children. So I had to, I had to be a provider. So while I, while I was in that stage of my life, wanting to be a provider, I also always wanted to be a businessman and an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't do it uh, because I had to work. There were right. just no options. Mm -hmm. And so part of what the Belief Roadmap is about is, is understanding what it is you want so you can live your life on purpose. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can live it all on purpose today. Right. It might take you like it took me. I'm 56 years old. Yeah, 56 years old now. Uh, it took me a long time to get to the place where I spend most of my time doing things that I love to do and that add value to others because I don't have to do things that I 
don't like to do. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't have to do them anymore. But it took a long time. So I would say, and I got another analogy. Um, if you're a, a, maybe you're a school teacher, maybe you have a job because that's what you have to do. You want to be a musician and you can't figure out how to pay for yourself and take care of your family as a musician. So you have a 40 hour a week job. Mm-hmm. But you love to be a musician and you got a gig every Friday night at some bar or some restaurant. And that just lights you up. Mm-hmm. Every day, getting through your work that you have to do is made easier by chasing this dream, this thing that you love to do and provides value to others because you're entertaining them. Yes. And that person, maybe, maybe today, they don't have the extra resources. They haven't built the capacity to go full time or to be paid for their dream, uh, so they have to work, that's fine. But if they are working overtime, month after month, year after year, and it takes them 20 years or 30 years to get to 50-50, that's gonna be a much better life than if they just stay at at 90-10. Right. And maybe along the way, when when you actually commit to doing something like that, I have found that the universe tends to match your enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. and find that people lift you up and help you along the way. And, but in order to get to that help, you have to start getting really clear about what it is you want. Yes. And then trying to build your life to have the capacity to do that thing that you want. And I think what we're talking about now is our belief system, right? What do we believe is possible? What do we believe yeah. our potential to be and creating and holding on to those beliefs? Yeah. And that was something that I wanted to also talk to you about is often um, our negative beliefs, the beliefs that have been, have been taught to us are limiting that potential and they're limiting our ability to grow and see the clouds and see that kind of, um, like light at the end of the tunnel, even though right now is a grind. And I wanted to ask you, um, how do you throw away the beliefs that don't work for you? And how do you acknowledge that they are not working for you? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I think one of, the, uh, one of the things I've been realizing as I've uh, in this new journey that I'm on is one of the biggest things, one of the biggest impediments to changing, changing, let's just say changing, in this case, changing your life, you want to do something different. Uh, one of the most important things I think to do is to get rid of things that you're currently doing, because we're all busy. Most, most people I know are busy. So if I all of a sudden I want to become an author, I have to look at what am I doing that I can stop doing because it doesn't serve me, because I don't need to do it, because I can outsource it, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. What in all the things I'm doing can I stop doing to create space for my change? Mm -hmm. That's a big, big part of of my second book, uh, Turning Inspiration Into Action. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons people don't turn their inspirations into action, because they don't make space for it. Right. Um, And so part of those things that that you have to change, those impediments to change, are ways that you think. And, and long-held beliefs. And yes. In, my, in the second book, I call these things that the impediments to change, I call them the gravity of your life. It's, it's this real force that tends to hold your life in, in, in place where it is. Mm-hmm. One of those forces, there's a lot of them, but there's self-doubt, uh, but there's also expectation. So you're talking yes. about beliefs. Most of those beliefs that aren't serving, many of the beliefs that don't serve you, you are inherited from your family. Right. And so it said, uh, you know, Andrea, we've never had doctors in our family. You can't be a doctor. 
Right. Or you're a woman, you certainly can't run your own business. There's yes. never been a woman run a business in our family. <laughs> or, you know, you can't make, I, I, I lost a really good friend because I wanted to, to pursue this happy living thing. And this guy's a hardcore business guy and he couldn't understand how I make money mm -hmm. out of it. I mean, he was really, really pissed. Yeah. And I said, Jim, I don't know how I'm going to make money either. <laughs> and I don't care right now. Uh, so I, I think to answer the question, how do you get rid of those things? I think you have to, first of all, pay attention and realize that you have something that's making you feel bad. Mm -hmm. and, and you can tell if you're really paying attention and reflecting on things, you can tell that you feel bad. You might not link that to your, to your, that thought, but if you start to investigate that bad feeling, you'll uncover it, I think. And so that brings then, it, then it takes, I'm sorry, then it just takes courage, right? It takes yes. some, some major level of courage to say, you know what? I'm going to stop believing that money is bad. Yes. And hold to it and, and practice that, and practice. right? It, it, and so this was my next thing that I was, I was um, interrupting you on is how do we practice reflection? Because that takes a certain level of ownership and responsibility to look inwards Whereas I find a lot of people, especially people that aren't doing well, love to blame environment, blame circumstance, outwardly blame instead of inwardly reflect. So how do we practice doing that? Because that can be a very <clears throat> scary thing. Yeah, I, so I've been studying, not studying is the wrong word. I've been, I've been thinking about this whole idea of, of transformation. Mm -hmm. And the belief roadmap is is a part of that transformation. It's about understanding the, the life that I have, right? The second part of it is how do I bring that life to action? And that, that was actually my second book again. And I can these three questions that you have to ask that will answer this question. Um, and these three, answering these three questions gives you enough power to overcome the gravity holding your life in place. The questions are, what inspires me? And that's important because that's starting to, you're just paying attention to the universe and you see something. We, somebody's watching us today and says, man, that lady is dressed sharp. She's running her own business. She's got this podcast. Mm -hmm. I want to be like that. So that, if you're, if you're following this process, that person says, you know what? I just felt an inspiration. Yes. Right. I want to be a blog uh, poster or else I, maybe I want the sweater that Andrea's wearing or whatever it is. <laughs> Pay attention to what inspires you. That's the first question. Mm -hmm. The second question gets into the reflection and separating out what is important to you and what's not. And the question is, why is it important to me? Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example. I saw when I was uh, just starting to, to write my first book, I live on a lake and I saw a seaplane land out on the lake and I was triggered. I said, oh man, that's really cool. Yeah. Beautiful yellow <laughs> seaplane. I started imagining I could pick up my guests down in Charlotte and fly them up and, and land them right in front of my property. And ooh, wouldn't that be a big shot? And mm -hmm. then I, so I went to the second question. Why is that important to me? It's not. It's ostentatious. I don't like it. I'm, I'm not even a good driver. I'd be dangerous mm -hmm. in a plane. It's, uh, there's nothing about it in my life right. that I really want. And so it's out. When I answer the questions about becoming an author, it triggered a lot of reasons. I mm -hmm. want to give back. I like to create products that can give and give and give over time, build a legacy. Uh, it fit my business model. It answered all the questions. Yes. And they were all positive. And so I was able to anchor being an author to my heart. And that yes. gives it the power, the power of the heart. Yes. And I was able to get rid of the stupid seaplane idea and not waste any time on it. 
So that's, that's the way you, you discover, that's how you get the, the oomph that you need mm-hmm. Keep practicing because you've done the work and said, you know what? Creating my own podcast is really important to me. I don't know how the hell I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I, and I know that uh, I don't have the resources and the time, the skill and the money. I don't have all that right now. But I'm going to answer the third question and say, how am I going to bring it into my life? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start doing that tomorrow. And maybe I can only do five minutes tomorrow, but then I want to do 10 minutes the next week and yep. start, start this transition be as fast as I can possibly do it while tending to the things that I have to do. And I think that's, that's, the, that's my answer to how you transform. I love that. And even while you're saying these things, I can put into examples of, you know, I'll see like a beautiful sports car and I'll be like, that would be cool. Like I'd look good in that sports car. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really need a sports car. I don't need that. So I love that example that you gave. And I think there's a lot of people that are listening that are also going to resonate with that because I find with healthcare practitioners, we're not all um, ready or in the right place to be entrepreneurs. And unfortunately, in our career choice, you kind of have to be thrust into that in some way, shape, or form. And I think this is a great place for people to reflect on what does entrepreneurship look like for me? What inspires me about being a naturopath or a healthcare practitioner? What don't I like? And I think everybody should do that example that you just listed. Um, And could you say the three things again? You said... Yeah, it's... And I'll, I'll add a little context to it. So yeah. what, what inspires you? Why is it important to you? And how will you bring it into your life? Yes. And as you go through, so the first thing is to pay attention. And then you do the work answering the second question. Mm-hmm. The second question uses, evokes what I call two powers. The power of priority, out with the plane, in with the books. Yes. And the power of the heart, the mama bear power. Right? You're fiercely hold on to it because you, this is important to you. I don't yes. care what my dad says. I don't care what society says. I'm going to do this because it's important to me. And then the third uh, question, how will I bring it to my life? That invokes the power of the universe, serendipity, where people and things magically show yes. up uh, all the time once you, once you commit. And those three powers, as I write in my second book, give you enough strength to overcome all the forces of gravity that's holding your life in place to the point that you don't really need to work on the gravity. Right. Don't worry about those things. Worry about what you're working on. Yeah. And you're going to become strong enough that you're, all of a sudden you'll be at that 20-year overnight success. Now, I wanted to touch on one little piece that you mentioned because you've talked about this, kind of seeded it throughout, is let's say I, I see my inspiration and I want to grip onto it, that mama bear power and strength. But it's very easy for people to be impacted by the naysayers in their environment. And how do you start blocking out that negativity, the people that are saying, no, you can't do that. No, that's impossible. How do you create the mental, um, what's the word, like that mental strength yeah. to stay in your lane and just say, I'm doing this? Yeah, so I, I think the, it's not a simple thing to do. But it's, it's a matter of choice. Do you want a better life? Or do you want to hang around people that hold you back? Mm-hmm. So out with them. If they're, not, if they're not serving you, you just have to think about what you want. If you want to be really happy and, and live a, a thrilling life, um, and you've got a handful of people that's holding you back, avoid them. Avoid things that don't serve you. That's one way to improve your life. That's yes. one of the fastest ways. <laughs> that's an almost immediate way to improve your life is avoid the things that don't bring you joy. 
And, you know, I think this is, this is like one of those things, uh, giving up on an old, some, uh, old belief. You have the right to be happy and joyful. Yes. You have to believe that. If you don't believe it, I mean, mo many, many people go through life without being happy. Um, but I don't I think that's, I've always thought that's a choice. And I would 100% agree with you. I just know, and working with my clients, there's that guilt level with spouses, yep. the, the family members, the, the parents. You can't necessarily just walk away from them as easy as that would be. So what do you do in that circumstance where you can't just, you know, just say, well, see ya, we don't need to be friends anymore if they're so interconnected with you, with you and your life? Yeah, again, it's a matter of just carving out space, carving out time. Mm -hmm. I can remember, I'll just give you some, some personal examples. Um, I was in a very bad marriage, my, my first marriage, almost 25 years. Mm -hmm. It kept getting worse and worse and it was, it was bad. And so I, I created a, uh, uh, an annual boys only rafting trip. Right. Right? I could get away, I could reflect, I could really ponder things, and I didn't have that negativity yes. directly in my face. Now, I had to go back to it uh, in my, the last business that I had. I had some really difficult challenges with some of the personalities, and a lot of times it didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. A lot of times. And, and it was actually probably the reason we ended up selling the company, against my own wishes. Right. Um, I'm happy we did now, but, um, and so it's a matter of, it's a matter, again, doing what you must, when you must, but over time, trying to do more and more and more of what you like. So if there's a terrible relationship, if you really have a terrible relationship with your spouse, you should get either fix it or get out of the marriage. Yeah. I would have been much better, my children have told me, if I had had the courage to divorce. And I took it, you know, I was all messed up with sure. my own thoughts that, no, that I was, I got to do the right thing. Yes. And people have said, oh, that's really courageous. I don't think it was courageous. I think I took the, the easy way out for me, not the courageous way out. And I think my children suffered for it. Mm -hmm. um, so these are not easy issues. Yes. And, and I, I would just always go back to everyone has their own judgment of what they have to do and what they don't have to do. And if what you have to do makes you feel bad, try to change it. And just take one step at a time and do less and less over over time until you end up in a better place. Now, a lot of the things that I think will help put people into that place of I don't have to, I'm enjoying this now, is financial freedom. So I said I wanted to talk to you about it. What is your personal philosophy on that financial fitness piece and, of course, lifelong work and happiness? Well, that's the, the, the starting point of it is lifelong work. And I, I believe with, with all of my heart that human beings were made to work. And you can define work however you want. It might not be work for money, uh, but it's getting up every day with something that you want to do. Yes. Something that you're going to do. You're going to create, you're going to build, you're going to connect, you're gonna, something you're going to work at. Um, so that's, that's the starting point of my philosophy for, for financial fitness is forget, throw retirement out. You're going to work your whole life. So that changes things. You got more time. You got a lot more time. Yeah, true. Um, and then the, the parts of my, the philosophy, I, I put it into four parts. The engine, the, um, um, the purpose for work, the beliefs about financial freedom, and then the mechanics. 
So the engine is what we just talked about. It's lifelong work. It's doing the work. And mm -hmm. if, you throw out, if you throw out retirement, you've got more time. So that's a good thing. Uh, the purpose changes over time. Like I think I mentioned earlier, when I was a kid, I worked for, free, for, for uh, extra Spending money. money. Yeah. When I was an adult, I worked to provide for my kids. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now um, the purpose of my work is not financial at all. It's completely to give back. So the purpose for working changes over time, but it's important to know why you're, you're working and why you're doing what you're doing. And if you're that person who wants to be a musician and you're working as a, as a waiter, if your purpose is to provide enough money that you can someday play music full time, that's, that's a very important thing to, to, to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And that also means it's gonna affect your entire financial life because you're gonna become a saver and you're yes. gonna become an investor because you need to count on that because you decided this is really important to you. Right. So that's the purpose is the second thing. Um, the third thing is the mechanics. And this is something that I came to learn um, accidentally by my, my, the last business I was in, my international trade business. Uh, and it's really, really powerful. And um, I, I would, it's a challenge for people in your line of work because your line of work is is hand to hand, person to person. Yes. But, uh, but this can work for you. I'll share it with you. So the first thing is find work you want to do your entire life. That goes back to the, to the engine, but it's also a part of the mechanics. Mm -hmm. uh, find work with results that can be broadcast to the world. Mm. Okay. If you can broadcast to the world, you can make a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, true. If you're, if, you're, if you're running an ice cream stand in, on a, quarter, a corner of uh, a New York City street, you can only make so much money. That's right. Okay, so find, works, find work that can be broadcast to the world. Um, find work that's highly, with highly recurring revenue. Your customers come back over and over and mm -hmm. over and buy from you um, every month, every year, forever, after you die. Mm hmm true. Right. Uh, and then... Maybe the most powerful is find work with near, near zero marginal cost, mm -hmm. which means you build it once and you can sell it over and over and over again mm -hmm. without any extra costs. Mm -hmm. Like a book. Yes. So, so I'm in the, the authoring, like a course. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you're a doctor. You have all this, you have all this knowledge, mm -hmm. right? And when you, a, a patient comes in, you're, you're taking from that knowledge that you own that's in your head and you're interpreting it for the patient and you're sharing a bit of it. Mm -hmm. If you can figure out how to do that and take it out of your head and put it in a can, it can become a course, it can become yeah. a book, it can become something that could help you with your, with your patients. Yeah. We were talking about, I don't know, do you have patients that you deal with uh, all across the, not geographically? No, um, there's certain, uh, in certain provinces and states, we have to be careful about doing anything outside of our licensed place. However, there is opportunity for us to create just lifestyle educational programs that could be more international for sure and and docs down here in the states you know they're starting to work uh, all over um, yeah so it's it's happening in, even in that world it's gonna in medicine there's gonna be so many new things that yes. come out that are gonna link your fantastic knowledge with technology and and the power to to broadcast yes right so that i think is really important so that's those are the mechanics for generating income Mm -hmm. uh, then mechanics for building wealth. 
Um, the first one is pay yourself first. Invest in yourself. Come up with a, a percentage. But really, really, that's, that's so important. Um, use the discipline of a budget to make mm -hmm. certain you're spending less than you're, than you're earning. Uh, it's important. Invest in home ownership. Invest in business ownership. Um, and the uh, a note, concept that I came across because I've just learned a new phase of my life. I made a lot of money in my business sale and I don't have to make an income. Mm -hmm. And a big secret, happy living right now is not making any income for me. Um, so I'm living off of a nest egg. And it's different. Living off of a nest egg, I came up with this concept of skimming the markets. Mm -hmm. So when the markets are up, I take money out yep. um, to, live, to live on. I take my income out. Yep. When, when, money is, when the stock market's down, I hold. Mm -hmm. That way I can never lose. I won't lo ever lose a single share. Unless, I, unless I'm forced, unless the down market outruns my right. ability to live. Right? Right. So, so now my job is to make sure it doesn't happen. If you're making money, if you're in income producing time, dollar cost average. Get that money every single week, every single month, whatever you can, put it to work. Yeah. As the market goes up, you'll just ride the up. If it goes down, you're buying cheaper. And so if you're making income, dollar cost average. If you got a nest egg, figure out how to do skimming. Um, so that's, those are my thoughts on building wealth. And then the third component for the mechanics is protecting wealth. And this I came to really, um, I really struggled with. What I'm, gonna, what I'm gonna advise is, what I'm saying I'm doing is to use insurance everywhere I possibly can to reduce the financial impact of an accident, something. Mm -hmm. And my entire life, I hated insurance. Yeah. I would buy insurance. You go buy a TV, would you like insurance? No, yeah. I just bought a brand new TV. I don't wanna buy insurance for it. But I, I read a book called Die Broke. Mm. Die Broke by Stephen Poland. Pollen. I would highly recommend it to every, everybody listening. It, it'll completely change beliefs yes. that we were taught about, about owning a house, the purpose for a house, about financial markets, and about, for me, about insurance. And so, um, and then the second part is use annuities to create long-term uh, reliable income. Sure. So, you know, that's starting to get into retirement planning and all yes. that type of stuff. So those are my mechanics um, for my philosophy on financial fitness. And what are some of your other financial fitness resources that you like? So I did, I, I put a couple my, I have three favorite books, The Richest Man in Babylon. It's, mm. kind, of, it's kind of a quirky book, but it's really, it's, it's an important book. I think everybody should read. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm -hmm. it's a pretty, pretty popular one, pretty basic, but it talks a lot about creating multiple levels of income. Yes. Multiple streams, not levels, multiple streams of income. There's never been a, a, a day in human history with the ability to create multiple streams of income yeah. that we have today. True. So if I was setting up my uh, practice in, in your line of work, I would start to think about what are, um, what are different assets that I can create from my experience, from my knowledge, from my, from my community, from the things that I can do that can create income for me in different streams. Mm -hmm. And as you go through that exercise, you can actually usually come up with quite a few. Sure. And in my particular case right now, we have books. So I'm, I'm writing books and those are, you know, you, they're annuities or they're fantastic. Yeah. You sell them all over the world. Um, we've started selling uh, 
wines. Nice. I stumbled into a great company. It's called Dry Farm Wines. And so we write about them because they are all natural. They're sugar-free. They don't cause headaches. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like the last part of my diet that wasn't clean. Right. If you consider wine with a little lower <laughs> alcohol. Clean. But anyways, it did clean up a lot of my diet. And so we, I, we embraced it. And then we, we write about it. And it's, an, it's an income stream now for us as we promote the wine. Um, and I even started uh, mining Bitcoin and, and playing with cryptocurrency. So oh my I, goodness. I actually own miners and they're, they're produce money for me every day. It started out as like $4 a day. I'd yeah. my wife and say, hey, our miners um, you know, made us enough to cover my latte. Well, now it's up to about $76, $77 a day. Hey. And growing. And nice. so as you think about, you're going to work for the rest of your life. You're building income streams. And if that, I don't need any of that Bitcoin money now. Um, but man, if I can just keep building, if it's still working 20 or 30 years, sure. it could actually be a significant income stream for me. Absolutely. So if, if you're doing, is you're setting up your life that way and you're looking at different things you can do, use your doctor time to really pay the bills and then start to create your, your other stuff. Yeah. There's no, there's no pressure on that stuff. You can take your time with it. You can learn with it. And yeah. over time and not months, but years, you know, it can, it can become something. Um, and so Matt, is there anything else that you think our listeners would benefit from? I mean, you've given us such a tremendous overview of the right mindset and how we should be controlling our business and, and really living the life that we want to live and not just doing things because we have to. Any final words that you have? More people are picking up on the profitable. No, just to reiterate that, that, that I would, um, if, if you want a better life, I would really spend some time to think about what it is you want to do. Um, I wrote a book about my philosophies, um, kind of just you know, defining it. And so it doesn't need to be that way, but you should define it in some way so you can say, okay, these things are important to me, and I'm going to start paying attention to them every certain period of time, once a week, once a month. I'm going to invest time in them. And additionally, I'm going to get rid of things that don't bring me joy. I'm going to be just as diligent trying to say, you know what, if I'm in a bad relationship, I'm going to eat a dinner. Doing that excites me, that inspires that me, that allows me to reach out to you guys, <laughs> and um, just let you know what's going on in my business, in my world. Bring change. on amazing speakers. Would, so again, thank you so much um, for um, going along you, this journey with me, and this whole kind of thing about doing what we love and making sure that we are in a career stream, a path in our life where we feel fulfilled, we don't feel like we have to, is really what brought um, this whole kind of show together today. I invited Matt Gersper onto the show and he's going to talk a lot about beliefs and creating the financial freedoms and creating the life that we want to when we get into the interview. And I thought it was very important for us to touch on that today because when I work with my coaching clients, my one-on-one coaching clients, my group clients, the biggest thing that I typically hear is, um, you know, I have to make this work. If this doesn't work, I don't think I can continue in this career. I have to make this program work. And we get so caught up in our results and we get so um, caught up in this place of survival and I touch on this later on in the interview 
And when we're practicing from a place of survival, we're practicing from a place of fear. And fear will always push people and money away every single time because they will feel that energy coming off of you. They'll feel that level of desperation and worry. And, you know, when you're pushing things onto your patients because you know that the supplement is going to expire or if I just get them to buy one more thing, then I can pay my bills this month. That's all working from a place of survival and I want you to work from a place of service. Service is where we don't care about our outcome more than we care about the outcome of our patients. We don't care about how much stuff we're giving away for free because it's all valuable and it's helping the greater good versus always saying, well, why aren't I getting my leads and why isn't my conversion rate higher and this, this, and this. It's throwing those results out the window and making sure that you're always coming from a place of just pure service, pure love, loving what you're doing. So if I were to watch you, like you fly on the wall in your practice when you're working on your laptop, I should see you smiling and at ease and comfortable. I shouldn't see you, you know, furrowing your brow and gritting your teeth and your shoulders are really tight. I want to make sure that whatever it is that you're choosing to do, while it may suck in the beginning because entrepreneurship is never easy, especially getting through a lot of those ebbs to get to the next flow period, um, I do want to make sure that you are living the life that you want to live. So I brought on Matt Gersper to kind of touch on that in a much more eloquent way. So I do hope you enjoy the interview. Let's get started with that now. Well, there's another interview in the books, and I do hope that you took some notes, you got some really great gold nuggets, and I think the most valuable thing that I took from that interview with Matt was, you know, really touching on the things that we don't necessarily want to have from a luxury status, from a, you know, look at me type of thing. We always want to be attracting the stuff that really fulfills us to our very core, and those are the desired things that we want. And being that we are at the beginning of a new year, at the beginning of 2018, this is your opportunity to make sure that you are looking and reanalyzing how your schedule is working, how your life is running, how your time is being managed, and making sure that you are creating the life that you deserve to have. And don't let patients dictate your schedule. Don't let other people dictate your schedule. It really is just like you said about being very mama bear protective over your time so that you can be more effective, so that you don't have to work nearly as hard and you will still have massive growth in your business. And if you're kind of there, you're feeling inspired, you know you want to get there, but you don't know how to do it, please reach out to me. Personally email me, info at themaximmovement.com. Check out um, the uh, maximizedbusiness.ca website, of course, but definitely find a way to reach out to me. We can hop on a 30-minute discovery call because I don't want you to be one of those people that just sits and waits for things to happen for this year. I want you to kill it this year. I want this to be the best year that you've ever had in business, and I want to be the person that helps get you there as quickly as possible. So please contact me, info at themaximmovement.com. Check out, of course, the website, maximizebusiness.ca, and let's hop on that discovery call and get going and working together. If you do have any other questions or comments or topic ideas, or perhaps you want to be interviewed on the show, also get in touch with me and we can figure that out because this show is all about you guys. It's not about me. 
I just allow the universe to bring the people towards me and I put the show together for you. Um, Kill it this year. Take action. Stay focused. Simplify your business and stay in your own lane. And I can't wait to hear about the successes that happen throughout the year. Stay in touch with me. Tag me. And definitely... um, Go to Instagram and follow me there. I'm at Andrea Maxim ND because that's typically where I'm posting all of my business stuff and what's going on with me behind the scenes. So I'll see you on Instagram. I'll see you on all social media. And I hope to see you in my in-mail, my in-mail, my email inbox, and we can book that discovery call. I'm Andrea Maxim and I'm out. You guys are killer. Thank you as always for listening to the Profitable Practice Podcast. Leave me a comment and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. Definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave me a quick review. For those ready to maximize your practice, contact me at www.maximizedbusiness.ca.